Hey, I'm Lucy Perkins, and we want to drop a special episode in your feed today. It's about another WESA podcast called Land and Power. It just won a big award, and I sat down with Margaret J. Krause and Liz Reed to talk about how they did it. The podcast centers on a big apartment building on the corner of Negley and Penn Ave in Pittsburgh's East Liberty neighborhood called Penn Plaza. It opened in 1967. But when gentrification crept into this historically black area of the city, it was torn down. That was about five years ago. Local media covered it, the protests and the public meetings that happened back then. But a few years later, WESA's Margaret J. Krause went back to the site. She talked to residents, developers, and city officials about the story that those headlines missed. The result of that reporting is a five-part podcast called Land and Power. The series won a regional Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Podcast this spring. It was reported by Margaret and edited by Liz, and they are here with me now to talk about it. Congratulations, you guys. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, so Margaret, can you talk about why you chose to make a podcast about one apartment building in Pittsburgh's East Liberty neighborhood? Because you've covered development in the city for years, and I, I was just curious what was different with Penn Plaza. Well, with a lot of development news, it feels like I can get at the central issues. Like If I poke and prod enough, some semblance of a full picture of the story emerges in a story or a few stories, depending on how large the story is. But every time I covered Penn Plaza, it felt like I was leaving everything out. I just had this consistent sense of failure, actually, every time I did a story, because I knew so much more than I was writing. And I don't know if that's because I did a poor job framing stories or if there, it was just too big of a story to tell in, you know, periodic drips and drabs. Um, but it just, it, huh. it just felt like I was missing everything. And then in 2019, I was working on another story, theoretically a much smaller, more contained story, um, about how the development of Penn Plaza, the site, would lead to more funding for affordable housing and how that money would get flowing. And Liz would ask me a question as I worked on it, and I'd give her these excruciating answers, just like long, and be like, well, (laughs) then there's this other part. And one day we were talking, and she was like, you know, I think there's a podcast here. And Liz, so yeah, so you were the person who initially suggested that this could be a podcast. What what was it, the thing to you that made it feel like this was was something bigger than, you know, one of these daily or, or weekly stories that Margaret was turning out? Well, I think I think Margaret doesn't give herself quite enough credit. Um, she did great reporting um, on the like as the news of Penn Plaza was developing. But she's right there. There's seemed to be some parts of the story that were eluding us. So as she said, this was originally going to be a two-part series, Eight Minutes of Radio, co-reported by Margaret and um, our colleague uh, Virginia Alvino-Young, who used to work at WESA. And so they were looking into um, this mechanism for funding affordable housing, which actually ended up just getting a quick mention in the podcast. We didn't really end up digging into it. But as they, they... as they were looking into this question about how the new development would fund affordable housing, they started coming across like inconsistencies about who knew what and when. And I personally got kind of um, obsessed with this question, namely around when did the city know this site was going to be redeveloped? And the more they dug into this question, the more we started to wonder how someone could not see this coming coming someone being city government, like how could they not have prepared for this? Because if you look at the way development has occurred in East Liberty over the last 10 years, 25 years, 60 years, the displacement of Penn Plaza residents almost feels inevitable. So 
like I said, I was really hung up on this question of who knew what, when, and why didn't they see this coming? Margaret actually seized on the deeper question of like, why does this feel inevitable? Why does this happen over and over again in cities across the country, but also why here in Pittsburgh, where are there are literally thousands of vacant houses? Like we can't prevent displacement of black and brown people and poor people if we don't understand the mechanisms that underlie that phenomenon. And those early conversations with Margaret about the broader historical context, it's funny that she says like, I knew more than I was reporting because she did know. She was reading books about redlining and she she did understand the historical context, but we hadn't connected all of the dots to get us to 2015 and the Penn Plaza housing crisis. And, you know, at that time we had far more questions than answers. And so that's what really made me believe this was a story that needed room to breathe. Like it needed character development. It needed people like Bob Jameson and Gail Williams to be real people in full living color. And it needed to explore the motivations of the developer and city officials and the mayor. And, you know, you just can't do that in eight minutes. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Margaret, I, I do want to ask you to, to talk about your reporting process here for a minute, because when we were all still in the newsroom before the pandemic, I remember there were like weeks at a time where you were just like going through like a spreadsheet and it's seemingly calling like everyone in the world who could have possibly lived at Penn Plaza or like knew someone who lived at Penn Plaza. And you were just calling people all day long. And Lucy used to sit two seats over for Margaret, I should add. So <laughs> you yes, heard all I, those calls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I heard all those calls. Um, and I really felt for you, but <laughs> I, I do want you to talk about the process here. Um, yeah. How did you go about you know, getting your arms around this thing. Well, it's funny to hear Liz pull all these threads together and what she just said about like, how does how does displacement keep happening? And how does the same story keep repeating? I feel like I had to report my way into that kind of clarity. It took me a long time to arrive at like, what is the story? Because I thought I knew the story. I thought the story was like, People had to move, and it was really upsetting, and why did that have to happen? But these larger things took a really long time. Um, but I guess to go back, it took a while to get to that point where I was just constantly dialing and having like cold call conversations with tons of people, because once we decided to do this thing, I was actually just paralyzed, completely frozen with fear. Hmm. Um I've listened to a lot of narrative podcasts, but I had no idea how to make one at all. Um, and I was just so scared I'd fall short of the idea that was in my head. And finally, after a few weeks of obsessively researching my way around the story, which is kind of my general process, is to hide in research, um, I realized <laughs> I just needed to start talking to people. There's, That's the, w the way to go. Um, and so I tried to think of every person who could have been or was part of the Penn Plaza story and made that giant call list, uh, which included a spreadsheet from someone else. And that's when I started dialing and trying to set up times to go talk with people. But that led me to the next problem, which was what to ask and why. I did not have a clear sense of where all of the reporting should take me or where it should take a listener. I feel like the thing I have a handle on is how to talk to people. But for something this big, I didn't know what I should be asking and why. And thankfully, in the summer of 2019, we got the go-ahead to apply from the station to apply for a workshop program through NPR called Story Lab. They selected our pitch, and they paired us with two people as mentors, Yoe Shaw and Uri Berliner. 
And Yoe told me to start outlining, just write out the story. What happens when? Why are you telling people this? Um, what do you want the listener to feel? What are the unanswered questions? And I have never felt quite so unequal to a task because I, it was this balance of putting down what I knew, but also leaving space for what I did not know, which was a lot, and working backward all the time. Uh, so if I think I'm going to tell people this piece of information or this anecdote, what do they need to know before that? And whose part of the story is it to tell that anecdote or that feeling? And so I just outlined over and over and over very poorly, uh, which let me ask better questions over time and to be really clear about why I was asking them. So it was an outline, write questions, interview, re-outline, re-interview, rewrite, pull tape until I think like what, Liz, four weeks until production finished. Like I think I didn't, I think the dream was like, oh, I'll stop reporting in August and then I'll have all this time to write, which was not at all the case. I was writing as I was reporting, as I was outlining, which I'm sure is not what anyone would suggest that you do. But I think fear and then just constant talking. Yeah. And as as you were putting this together, you know, we had a pandemic. And while you were reporting that summer, lots of people turned out to protest for racial justice in Pittsburgh and across the country, but in Pittsburgh, too. Liz, can you talk about how that influenced the shape of the story? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the pandemic. When the pandemic started, I remember worrying that no one was going to be interested in or care about a podcast about housing because almost all of our news coverage was pandemic related. I mean, everything in life was pandemic related. Margaret had to stop working on the podcast for a month to help out with pandemic coverage in the newsroom. And like, Margaret has a beat, you know, it's development. Three months. Trans- <laughs> three months. I'm sorry. Did I say a month? She stopped working on the podcast for three months uh, uh, to, to do reporting on the pandemic. And, you know, she did some in her beat, but some of it was not. Like some of it was government reporting or health reporting. Um, because it was all hands on duck. And so again, like I worried, like, are people going to care about this story? And then when George Floyd was murdered and the movement for black lives grew stronger last summer, I realized like, yeah, of course, this is still relevant. Like all of these issues are connected because there is a question in my mind, fundamental to both police violence and housing affordability, which where, which is where are black people permitted to take up space? This story about Penn Plaza, it is not only about race. Like, it's also about class and capitalism and bureaucracy and politics and power and land. (laughs) But the thread throughout is race. And that's because the thread throughout all of American history is race. So, I mean, in terms of shaping the podcast, I would say the protests from last summer most directly impacted the final episode, episode five. That's where you actually hear the sound. We bring you to a protest against bringing a police station back to East Liberty. Uh, Lucy, you gathered that tape, actually. You covered that. (laughs) I was doing that. (laughs) And they say plainly, black people used to live here. Like, these are not separate issues, you know? And then Margaret asked Bob about that. I think even before the protest, she asked Bob about that because we always knew, like, systemic racism is systemic, right? It's not just one thing. And, you know, I should also mention that this podcast was created by two white women, and we understand, and I think we were reminded 
um, by last summer's movement that we had a real responsibility to listen and educate ourselves and humble ourselves and challenge our own biases while reporting. To Liz's point, I always feel an obligation to get it right and to and you know exactly what that looks like depends on who I'm talking to and what we're talking about. Um, but that question of leaving space became more and more important as this podcast went on. Um, that very I mean I always ask, is there anything I haven't asked you that I should be asking you? And I realized with this podcast, I needed to go way beyond that because sometimes it's part of my obligation is is to not just support whatever people aren't saying, but to help, if I can, find a like to help make a space where they can say it or if they want to say it, that there's like truly room for that. And that's something we do all the time in conversation as humans is just try and make sure that the other person feels as though they're being heard, which I guess it's just called active listening. Uh, but it felt like I really wanted to be the best listener I could be as an interviewer for this story. I'm, I'm not saying this very well, but like I knew that the story of Penn Plaza existed in the larger context of racism and class discrimination. I knew that. But I hadn't been asking the questions to get at that. It informed my questions, but I realized I was doing a disservice to both the listener and to whoever I was talking with. I needed to ask if people felt that their story fit into that larger context, and if so, how. That it was not, like, I couldn't just assume that indeed their answer was informed by racism or classism. That I needed to ask if they felt if that was accurate, and if so, how. And I'm not doing a good job of trying to, like... Well, I mean, that's when, when you asked Bob Jameson, he brought us back to the, you know, basically the beginning of American history, you know? Yeah, I think it's just, it was different than how I'd approached the story before. And it reminded me of so much in American life. Like we know these things are underneath the surface. And it's not okay for us to just acknowledge tacitly that like racism is bad or classism is bad, but that talking about them opens up all these other new spaces that are very important to go into. Was there anything... um in the process of making this podcast that surprised you guys as you were putting it all together? I think the relationships part of the whole process. Our, I mean, journalism, our whole enterprise rests on people giving us their time. And we're all used to that. You pick up the phone, you walk up to someone, and you quickly work to create a rapport so that people feel safe telling you what they think or feel. Um, but it's usually a short ask. You know, it's like 15 minutes on the phone, maybe an hour of their day at some point. Um, and this was just totally different. Everyone had really big feelings about Penn Plaza, no matter who they were. And it took a lot of time to do that justice, I think, to really sit with people and talk through what they experienced, and how that made them feel, and how the other parts of their lives had informed that experience. I spent a year in people's lives, and I just didn't anticipate what that would feel like. And I spent, I very much spent a year in Liz's <laughs> life, and I don't, I'm not sure she anticipated what that would feel like. Um, yeah, I think I just I have been continually just so grateful to people in Pittsburgh who have a truly nuanced nuanced understanding of their neighborhood, their lives, their city and who 
I mean, I believe this about the human condition that like if if there's space made for people, they will dazzle you every time. And I just have been just really humbled by how thoughtful people are, which again, I knew, but like, I just, we rarely don't have the time to really get into things with people. I'm just, yeah, humans, they're really great. Hmm. What about you, Liz? Well, I knew it was going to be difficult and time consuming, but I don't think either of us really knew what we were getting into. It was, it was grueling. More so for Margaret than for me, but I actually had to kick my family out of the house for three days when we were mixing the episodes. Like, I did not have time to be a parent. It was all land and power all the time, and we got it done just under the wire. Now, that said, I think what surprised me the most is actually how much I loved it. Um, How much I loved being able to wrap my arms around a story like this and how much I loved working with Margaret on a story like this because I think Margaret has a very special talent for the kind of like thorough contextualized compassionate reporting that you need to tell the story correctly. And so, you know, I really hope that WESA can do more long form reporting like this in the future. I mean, yeah, this, you, you guys spent a really long time with these people and on this project, I'm wondering like, do you feel like that you you did tell the whole story? That was something that you talked about at the beginning of this, Margaret, that like you were reporting these shorter stories where you couldn't fit everything in. Do you feel like you were able to do that with the show? Uh, I had a professor who used to intone what felt like all the time, the story you tell determines the information you provide. And I was like, nah, it's all going in this time. Um, but no, I don't think I did tell the whole story. I told I told one whole story. But there are others that did not make it in. Liz mentioned one, which is just like the financial bit of this, like what this development could do in East Liberty and surrounding, closely surrounding areas. Um, But also I'm thinking about there was early work done by a lot of people to bring attention to Penn Plaza before the story that I told picks up. And there was an advocacy group called Action United who worked with a lot of residents to draw people in. And that whole crucial early stage is missing from this story. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot more to tell. And we actually had a different name for the series. And at the last minute, last-ish minute, changed it to Land and Power. And one thing that we liked about that name was that it, it kept the door open to telling more stories in this vein. So there will be a season two dropping shortly, I assume. <laughs> uh, shortly is yeah, a misleading word, Ms. Perkins. Um, reporter Margaret J. Krause and editor Liz Reed are the people behind Land and Power, the WESA podcast that just won an Edward R. Murrow Award. You can find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for talking with me, you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lucy.